0: Let's pray, shall we, as we, we come to God's Word. Our Father, we are so thankful that you have left us with your holy Word. And Father, you've given it to us for our upbuilding, that it might change us, renew us, refresh us. And Lord, we thank you that as we come to study it together now, that this word is not just like any other book that's been written. It's a living word. It has life in it. And Lord, as we come to study it, we recognize that that life is going to touch our life and we're going to be changed. We're going to leave this place different than we came in. And so, Father, we just pray, touch us afresh today with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we come to learn about this name that you've given to yourself, Yahweh Rafecha, that we would know more about who you are as our Father in heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to communicate your word as it is and not get in the way. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd open hearts to hear it afresh today. And Lord, I pray that you'd move in healing power today. Lord, I pray that many people who've come in today or that will listen to this message or watch this message in future will be touched with the healing power of Yahweh Rofekah. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's read from Scripture. We're going to be in Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 15, chapter 15, verses 22 to 26. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Exodus 15, 22 to 26. I'm going to read from the New International Version. Here we go. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you have come in today with something that you'd like healing for? Put your hand up, be brave. How many of you have come in today knowing, do you know what, I really would love it if the Lord would heal me of this? Praise God. Then, this message is for you. This message is for you. And I pray that by the time we walk away from the building today, that the Lord may touch some of you with his healing power. We're learning today about Yahweh Rophecha. Say that, Yahweh Rophecha. Come on. It's a kh. back of the throat, Rophecha. As we've learnt and studied these, these names of God together, You know, all of these names, whether it's Yahweh or Elohim or Adonai, all these names speak to us about God's being, about God's character, and also about his relationship to his people, don't they? Each name has told us something new about who God is, and this name that we're studying today from Exodus 15 is no different What's really unique, though, about the names of God, and this is why we study the names of God so carefully, is that God isn't like you. God doesn't change. You see, each of us mercifully change, don't we? Throughout our lives, we grow, we we learn, we mature, and that's a good thing, isn't it? If we're walking with the Lord, we should expect to see change in our lives. How many of you have changed your beliefs about something in the last five years? I know that I have. I know that I have. My my beliefs have changed and hopefully become more biblical um, as I've grown with the Lord. We must always embrace change so long as it's led by the Lord. But God is not like us. He doesn't need to change, does He? He is the same yesterday today and forever and so therefore our names if they were based on our character and our nature and who we are they might change over time but not so with God there's never going to be a time when God is not El Shaddai right there's never going to be a place where God is not a shepherd of his people and there's never going to be a time or a place where God is not still a healer right There's never going to be a time when God's not still a healer because he's God. He can't change who he is. And there are so many views out there, aren't there, about the subject of healing and sickness. There's so many things that people say. There's books that could fill this entire church written on the subject of healing. And so I'm not going to be able to scratch the surface today. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not going to be able to handle every concern. I'd love to answer questions if you have them at the end. Um, I want to create space for that, but this message certainly isn't going to be comprehensive. I'm going to try and be as clear and concise and as biblical as I possibly can be. And I want for this church to have a proper biblical belief system about what healing's all about, right? And if God calls Himself, "I am the Lord that healeth thee," we can be sure He heals today, Amen. Just the same as He did. In the Old Testament just as the same as he did through Christ because stories of healing stories of supernatural healing are everywhere throughout the Bible you can't get away from it in the Old Testament just the same as in the Gospels we're all familiar aren't we with the stories of Jesus's healing we've Walk through the book of Mark together. I think we've done about 26 sessions through the Gospel of Mark, and we've seen Jesus heal time and time again. But we mustn't forget, this isn't just a Jesus thing, this is a God thing. In the Old Testament, God heals Ahimelech, doesn't he? The pagan, sorry, Abimelech, rather, the pagan king, who tries to take Sarah away from Abraham because Abraham's pretending that Sarah is his sister. Abimelech takes her. And God shuts up the wombs of all of his wives, his daughters, his his servants. And God heals Abimelech. God also heals Miriam, the sister of Moses. Leprosy came on her and God healed her leprosy. God healed Naaman, a pagan general. God heals him of leprosy, you remember, in the Jordan. God also opened the wombs of Rachel. And of Hannah, isn't that incredible? And then he also healed the king Hezekiah, who was sick. He healed his sickness. So healing isn't just something in the New Testament. It's something that's right through the Bible. We know that when Jesus came, he moved around in the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That's Acts 10.38. And such is the mention of healing in the New Testament. It's incredible. John Wimber, who was a pastor back in the 80s and the 90s, he wrote a book called Power Healing. Has anybody read Power Healing? And John Wimber counted up all of the narrative verses in the Gospels. I mean, that's a lot of verses. He counted up 1,257 narrative verses in the Gospels and found that out of those verses, 484 dealt specifically with healing testimonies that's actually nearly 40 percent nearly 40 percent of all narrative verses in the gospels deal specifically with healing so that's a large proportion of Jesus's earthly ministry that was to do with physical healing incredible then we see the book of Acts you see the healing ministry of Jesus didn't stop with the Gospels. In fact, it continued on. It continued on with, I don't mind them staying in. You want to stay in, I don't mind the noise. That's fine. So the healing ministry continues with the church, with the power of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and then we see the book of Acts. We see the apostles moving in healing power. Even to the point where people were taking handkerchiefs and garments that had touched Paul and they were taking them to the sick and they were being healed by these garments if you can believe that. People had such faith. They were waiting for the apostle Peter to walk by just to get in his shadow that they might be healed. So the healing ministry didn't stop with Jesus and his ascension. It continued on into the church of the apostles in the first century. But furthermore, It didn't end with the book of Acts. It didn't end with the book of Acts. We know that the Holy Spirit gave a gift of healing to not just the apostles, but to the church. Have you heard about this? 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. Paul says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And the varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means to each of you who are in Christ today, there has been given a manifestation of the Spirit unique to you. Isn't that amazing? You receive that today? For to one is given through the Spirit, The utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith. There is a gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, here we go, gifts of healing, plural. Multiple gifts of healing. Isn't that interesting? There wasn't just one gift of healing, seemingly, but there were gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another in- interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So these gifts are given by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and God gives to each one as he will. So these gifts are given by God it is him that determines to whom he gives them and how much gifting is given it's not something that we can decide upon it's something that God gives but this is what Paul taught these gifts are given not just to the apostles but actually to the church now there are a variety of views uh, about healing uh, in, in the church today and particularly about the gift of healing there are some in the church today who are Christians, but they believe uh, that the gift of healing is, is no longer in operation, that it has ceased. Um, and they believe also that many other gifts have ceased as soon as the canon of Scripture came together. That is, as soon as we had the text of Scripture, these these gifts came to an end. And this view is called cessationism. Cessationism. So the cessation of The spiritual gifts. Now, why do people believe that these gifts have ceased? Well, one reason they believe these gifts have ceased is that they see these spiritual gifts, including the gift of healing, and they see this correctly. They see that these gifts were there to serve a purpose, the gifts were there to validate the gospel that was being preached and I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves of I think the cessationists have that right the gifts are there to witness to Christ they're not there to build somebody's reputation they are not there to make you into a miracle superstar they're not there to make you into the next Darren Brown and I think the church today needs to hear that they're there to witness to the truth of the gospel they're there to witness to the truth of who Jesus is and so when you utilize these gifts in a way that doesn't exalt Christ you're not using them you're abusing them okay this is very very important so they're right about that these gifts are here to witness to Christ but here's the issue they say that because we now have the gospel and the counsel of God written and put for us in Scripture, they say that these gifts are now redundant. They're no longer needed because we now have the Scriptures. Now, my problem with that is that many of... I have many cessationist friends who are much cleverer than I, and these people have a concern which is to be biblical in everything. My issue with it is that the Bible doesn't say anywhere that these gifts will cease. So if I truly want to be biblical, and if you truly want to be biblical, find for me one verse, just one verse, that says these gifts cease. And I'll happily believe that. Yeah. yeah yeah there's the one about when when the perfect comes etc but again in context he's not talking about the gift ceasing but i think my issue with it has been that i would need to find evidence in scripture of paul saying stop hungering for the gift of prophecy Okay, because round about the second, third centuries you're not going to need it and I don't see that so I, I can't be a cessationist that's my perspective um, I have to believe that these gifts are still in operation that's my perspective though I understand others will disagree but let me just read you a quote from Irenaeus he was an early church father as I called them this is a, a bishop of Lyon in France, in the uh, second and third centuries. And he said this Those who are in truth his disciples, receiving grace from him, do in his name miracles. They perform miracles so as to promote the welfare of other men, according to the gift with each, which each one has received from him. For some, true and certainly, drive out devils, so that those who've thus been cleansed from evil spirits. Both believe in Christ and join themselves to the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. Others still heal the sick by laying their hands upon them, and they're made whole. Yea, moreover, as I've said, the dead have even been raised up and remained among us for many years. What more shall I say? It is not possible to name the number of gifts which the church, scattered throughout the world, has received from God in the name of Jesus Christ." So this clearly was something that was operational, not just in the time of the apostles, but in the early church. Uh, This was something that that was going on in the second and third centuries. There were people being healed. Uh, There were people even, Irenaeus says, who were raised from the dead, uh, if you can believe, that were still in the church at that time. Now getting back to our scripture today, I'm happy to talk later and answer any questions you might have about this, but this is my perspective. Um, I think it's no accident here in, in Exodus 15 that God takes this name to himself. Because you notice it's not, it's not Moses calling God, you are the Lord that healeth me. It's God saying to Moses, I am the Lord that healeth you. This is a name God takes for himself. And I think it's no accident that this name that God gives his people, he gives them straight after They have seen God turn the bitter waters of Mara sweet. It's all connected, isn't it? We can't just rip that name out of its context and make it say whatever we want it to say. There's something going on here that we need to appreciate and take notice of. I think the water, the bitter waters of Mara, are supposed to speak to us of the healing of sickness in God's people. These brackish, bitter waters. They speak to us about the bitter taste of sickness, the bitter taste of infirmity, whether it's a sickness in the body or in the mind or in the soul. I wonder whether you've tasted that bitterness in your life, whether there's something in your life right now that tastes bitter to you, that's difficult, that you can't take. Well, this is a picture of of infirmity and sickness that I think is so so true sickness tastes bitter it's difficult it's hard to drink to take down and because they couldn't drink it the bible says that they grumbled to Moses didn't they remember we talked about this a few weeks ago how the Israelites encountered difficulties and what did they do they didn't pray they they grumbled they grumbled to Moses but really what were they doing a grumbling to God. And Moses then cries to the Lord on their behalf. I think we can be really certain what the Bible's saying here is that sickness and infirmity carry with them a certain bitterness in our lives that can cause us either to grumble or to call on the Lord. Does that make sense to you? Sickness can either make you moan and grumble or it can drive you to call on the Lord. Sometimes a bit of both. Amen. I don't know about you, but that really speaks true to me. When infirmities linger and go on longer than we think they ought to, how great is that temptation to do just as the Israelites have done. And say, Lord, I can't drink this any longer. But what was the intention of God in all of this? It was that Moses should call on him. It was that his people should lean upon him. And call out to him for healing and deliverance. Because I think... To our modern sensibilities, our expectation would be that when God led his people out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, which happened just three days before we read about this story at Mara, our expectation is that as soon as they come out through the Red Seas, they enter into the promised land and they shall never want for any food or any water or anything ever again. That's our expectation, isn't it? At least it is for us. Lord, I became a Christian. I prayed the prayer. I did my bit. Where's your bit? I'm still not well. But the Lord had purpose even in this moment of the Israelites not being able to drink of these waters. He led them for three days into the wilderness, nothing to drink. But he had purpose. And what was it? It was for them to call on him, to lean on him. 2 Corinthians 12 all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Now, it doesn't matter whether you think that the thorn in the flesh was sickness or not. It doesn't matter. What I'm making the point of here is that Paul had something that was clearly not very nice. It was clearly something that bothered him. He didn't like it. And he prayed to God to remove it three times and God didn't. Why? He says... It was to keep him from becoming conceited, puffed up, proud, right? So it doesn't matter whether it, it was sickness that the thorn was. The purpose is that, that Paul didn't enjoy it, but God had a purpose in it, okay? Even, we know, even though we know God heals, we also know that God is sovereign, right? He's sovereign. So he may still allow in his sovereignty for us to taste the bitter seasons of suffering just like he allowed the Israelites here to taste the bitter water of Marah before they cried out they would never have prayed Lord turn this bitter water sweet unless they'd actually tasted it he allowed for them to taste it and he does that to us sometimes he allows us to taste seasons of bitterness so that we'll call on him and for some of us to keep us from becoming conceited and puffed up do you know what How many of you, like me, have been through seasons where you've just been humbled? You've just had a difficult season and God has removed some comforts in your life that you used to rely upon. And it's difficult at the time, but I look at what Paul says and I think, yeah, definitely that thing that he let me go through kept me from becoming puffed up and conceited and reliant on myself. Sometimes he does that. And so we'll call on him in those moments when we taste the bitterness. We call on him. And either God will respond in a number of ways. Either he'll heal you. He'll heal you. Either he'll heal you supernaturally and that thing will go. How many of you have experienced a healing touch of God? Where you've prayed and he's literally taken that thing away. Sometimes he will heal you and it will be gone. That circumstance, that problem in your body or your mind will just go. Other times, he will alleviate that bitterness. He'll send something into your life that helps you to manage it. He'll send a treatment, something that allows you to live on, even with the condition, but with a treatment that helps you to manage it. How many of you understand sometimes God heals through the medium of medicine? And we mustn't think that that's any less of a blessing from God. All healing comes from God and we ought to be grateful for it. You know that Paul writes to Timothy and says, take some wine for your frequent stomach upsets and ailments. He didn't say, pray it away, Timothy. In that instance, he said, take some wine. What was wine? It was medicinal. It was to balance out the acids in his stomach. So I know that there are some that say a Christian should never visit a doctor. I I don't think there's a biblical precedent for that. Um, I, I believe that the Lord heals through a number of means. What else might God do when we cry out to him in these places of bitterness? Well, sometimes he'll so change, he'll so change your hearts that even that sickness becomes sweet to your taste. I know a lot of people don't have faith for that, but there's a story have you heard of Joni Erickson? Joni Erickson, who dived off of a diving board at the age of 17 and unfortunately broke her neck and became quadriplegic, paralyzed at the age of 17. Now she cried out for healing time and time again, but God did not heal her. Now she has a global ministry encouraging those who are living with severe disabilities. And God has used that sickness. And now, if you talk to her, she'd say, I wouldn't have it any other way. Sometimes God can so work through it that your actual season of bitterness becomes a blessing to you. I don't understand how that works. I think that's extraordinarily difficult for us to conceive of. But God can do that. That's all I'm saying. It's important that we try and stay biblical, isn't it, when we talk about these subjects of healing. It's really important when we start talking about illness, sickness, and healing these are very personal matters aren't they we've all got something we're walking through we've all know somebody who's walking through something like this so we need to try and stay as close to the word of God as we possibly can because listen bad theology hurts people you say that with me bad theology hurts people I'm I'm a YouTube fan I I love YouTube it's the best app that I've got on my phone by the Bible app And it just serves me up with lots of sermons and lots of things that bless me week in, week out. But this week, the algorithm threw up a video for me about a snake handling pastor called Little Cody from Tennessee. And and Little Cody was in his mid-20s, and it was a story of how he had been bitten in a church service by a rattlesnake that he was handling, right? And the whole thing is that they've read the story about Paul being bitten by a viper and the venom of the asp not touching him, you shall, you know, you shall pick up snakes and they shall not, etc. And they just take that literally and handle snakes in service, you know, to demonstrate the power of God. Now, although maybe their motivation is good, the theology is terrible. It's terrible. And this viper bites him in the neck, cuts an artery. He bleeds all over the place. His face swells up like a flipping melon. He's got two young kids, and he nearly dies in front of them. Uh, He was saying, don't take me to the doctors. I don't believe in that, yada, yada, yada. Thankfully, somebody in his family finally drove him to the hospital, and they saved his life. But he was in intensive care for two weeks. He's now living with the after effects of trauma um, from the snake bite but he's gone back to his old life handling snakes and he's now worried any day could be his last. Now, bad theology hurts people, amen? That's an extreme case. But I've seen this hurt people in a more subtle way when kind of low-key that you're told by a pastor that you being sick is actually your fault. You're sick because you don't have enough faith. You can see how bad theology hurts people because the bible deals with this issue of sickness in a really very nuanced way and if we're if we're careful to observe that nuance and believe whatever the bible says about sickness we won't hurt people we'll actually bless people so let's re- refuse the temptation to have some snappy kind of twitter quote about healing that makes sense to us but it's maybe a bit oversimplified Okay, We've got to try and do the work on this one. We've got to be careful to weigh our beliefs about healing and sickness against God's word. So let's be biblical about this, shall we? Are you ready? Let's be biblical. Let's look at it. Let's, let's take the Bible at what it says. We'll get to the healing part, but let's take the Bible at what it says about this. I want you to notice that in this passage, God says, I will not bring on you any of these sicknesses. I will not bring on you. In fact, the ESV says, I will not put on you any of these sicknesses. Well, what's the implication? The implication is that he might put sickness on them if they don't do what he says, which is what? Be obedient to my commandments, okay? It's one of those inconvenient truths in the Bible that Christians are very keen often to gloss over, Or to explain away, we very easily want to become God's PR agent, don't we, when we read verses like this. it It doesn't mean that. It's what it says. Let me read you Deuteronomy 28, verse 58. This is a parallel of this passage. If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, Afflictions severe and lasting. And sicknesses grievous and lasting. He will bring on you the diseases of Egypt. So what God is saying is that these promises of healing, they're conditional on obedience, right? We see that God is sovereign even in these matters of sickness and healing. Deuteronomy 32 verse 39 says see now that I myself am he there is no God besides me I put to death and I bring life I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand Job 518 for he that is God wounds but he binds up he shatters but his hands heal. Does that make God the reason for every sickness? No. No, it doesn't. We know where sickness came from, don't we? Sickness entered with the fall. That's where sickness came from. God didn't create us to be sick, but it came in with the fall. But it does mean that God is certainly sovereign over sickness, and it does mean that throughout history, God has definitely sent sickness on some people. It's just a fact that God kills a lot of people in the Old Testament. We've got to stop trying to apologize for him about that. He's God. He can do as he pleases, okay? So (laughs) that being out of the way, it doesn't mean that God is the author of every sickness. It doesn't mean that God created us being sick. God is actually very clear about why people get sick in the Bible. And there's a number of different reasons why people get sick according to the bible there are naturally occurring conditions and sicknesses you know the story of Mephibosheth I think his name is which was Saul's correct me if I'm wrong grandson was it or nephew or grandson now he was crippled wasn't he do you know why the bible says he was crippled yeah his nanny his his nanny dropped him it wasn't because he sinned it wasn't because God sent the sickness on him. It was an accident. Sometimes we're sick because of an accident. Sometimes we can be sick because of just the presence of brokenness and sin in the world. And the Bible says that. So we shouldn't treat every sickness as though like God sent it. I remember when I was 16, I nearly died. I, I, uh, I had appendicitis and then I came out of the operating studio, um, studio the operating theater. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, basically something went wrong. I ended up, my lungs filled with fluid and I stopped breathing. So I was in intensive care for a a couple of days or something like that and eventually came through but it was a bit touch and go. And I remember when I came out, a Christian came to my home and said, um, yeah, you know why that happened to you? is because you sinned. It's because you sinned. And so it's things like that where you're like, we have to try and be biblical. Not every sickness is because of, somebody sinning and god doesn't send every sickness um that it is possible that those things can happen we know from first corinthians 11 we read earlier it says let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself this is new covenant that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died so actually, some Christians were not examining themselves. They weren't repenting of sin before they came to the table. And God says, actually, that's why some of you are weak and ill and have died. That's new covenant. So sometimes it is a judgment, but that doesn't mean it always is. Is this making sense? I'm just trying to help us through before we get to the good bit. Um, <laughs> now, I think, as I've said, sometimes we make the the mistake of being overly simplistic with these things. Jesus also said to them that you know the disciples said lord uh, why is this man blind did he sin or did his parents sin and Jesus says neither this man nor his parents sinned but this happened so that the work of god might be displayed in his life that's john 9 1 to 3 so sometimes people endure illness just so that the glory of god can be revealed when they get healed isn't that incredible literally you're going through this so that one day you're going to have a testimony that is going to blow people's minds. Wow. Okay? So, no, we can't say all sickness is because of sin. Somebody's done something wrong and therefore God put a sickness on them. No, that's not always true. We equally, uh, we can't say that all sicknesses are just natural. Jesus talks about some sicknesses also being sent by the devil. Okay? The enemy can have a hand in sickness as well. The Bible speaks about infirm spirits that can have an impact in somebody's life. So that's another thing that the Bible talks about as being a, a root of sickness. And there are many types of sickness. There's not just physical. There can be mental. There can be emotional. And the Bible makes room for them too. In Psalm 1473, it says, he heals the brokenhearted. Healing is not just for your physical body, but it's for the heart. In fact, the the Hebrew word for heart is lev, right? We think of heart these days, and we think emotions, all the floral stuff that we don't like thinking about, and it's all gushy and emotional. But that's not the way the Hebrews thought about the word heart. The heart was the core of your being. It was who you are, really. And God says that that can be so broken that your actual identity and who you think you are in this world is actually in need of healing, right? Right? And God can heal the very core of your being so that you become who you're supposed to be, if that makes sense. So God is not just coming to heal physical stuff. He's coming to heal the whole person. So how does God heal us? Firstly, God heals you through prevention. He heals you through prevention. This verse here in Exodus says, if you do these things, if you obey my laws and my precepts, I will heal you. You won't get sick. It's a preventative thing. So if we follow God's word today and we take seriously his commands, his precepts, his law over our life, then there are lots of sicknesses that we'll be protected from, aren't there? Just think of it. If we live in line with the Bible, there are lots of illnesses that will not affect us like they would if we were living in the world. Secondly, God heals us in response to prayer. James 5, 13 to 15. He says, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. How else are we healed? Healed in the presence of God. In the presence of God. You know, how do I know that biblically? Well, in John 5, there's a story of a man who wanted to get down into the water and Jesus says, be healed. Rise up, take your mat and go. Now, this guy's a cripple. The guy didn't know who Jesus was. He had no faith. He, he didn't call out to Jesus to heal him. Jesus took the initiative and healed him. Now, God can do that today. One of my favorite testimonies is a story of a young girl who'd been involved in a road traffic accident when she was younger. And the doctors had put a metal plate into her wrist to hold her wrist together. And it protruded around half an inch from the surface of her skin. Uh, she She couldn't even open a Coke can anymore. And she was quite happy to live with this. She's in her 20s. But she was in a worship meeting. She was just praising God. And as she was clapping her hands in the middle of a song, she felt her hand heat up and her wrist heat up. And when she looked down, literally the plate was dissolving. I don't know how that works, but it dissolved. It went and she was then able to move her hand. She was able to open a Coke can. She didn't pray for that. Um, it, she wasn't even thinking about it, but God healed her in his presence. God can heal just simply by a sovereign act. He can just heal you because he's good, because he's God. If you watched that video that I posted in the WhatsApp group this week of the, the pastor whose vocal cords had been shot through an illness and he, he was just preaching about God's healing power. He wasn't believing for healing himself at that time. He wasn't praying, but God healed his vocal cords as he's talking, literally. So God can heal just in his presence and God heals through faith whether that's your faith or whether that's your friends you know sometimes we can get to places where the sickness can last so long that we almost kind of lose our hope that god can can heal us and in those times i like to call my friends who maybe have a bit more faith than me in that area and say please will you pray for me and just lean on their faith god heals in response to faith finally let's Let's clear this up. God's the healer of who? Who does God heal? He heals his people. He promises to heal his people. There's no promise that God will heal the sicknesses of the whole world. He does heal non-Christians, right? But his promises about, I am the Lord that healeth you, come to his people. So if you're in Christ today, these promises are for you. If you're not, I would ask, please consider coming under the grace of God, coming to Christ and becoming part of his family on earth. It's only through Christ that we access these promises because we can't forget. There's a big problem, isn't there, that faces us out of this text. When we learn about I am the Lord that healeth thee, what's the problem? Well, he says, I'll do this if you obey my commandments and my precepts. Well, how many of you have been able to obey all of his commandments, his law and his precepts every day? Well, nobody could stand before him and boldly say, Lord, I deserve your healing. Nobody. The only way that we can be confident, I'm talking about real confidence in God's healing power, there's only one way. There's only one way and that's through trust in Jesus Christ who's fulfilled all of those conditions on the behalf of all who believe on him. Now, how much confidence do you have that Jesus deserves healing? I've got confidence there that Jesus has accessed all that I need for healing. And that's why I can feel confident in praying for the sick. Because I know I'm not standing in my own goodness. I know I'm not standing in my own power, my own anointing. I'm standing in Jesus's. How many of you understand that? When you pray for healing for somebody who's sick, you're not praying on the the basis that you're some great Christian. Do you get that? I pray for sick people to be healed because I know I'm not great. I know that he is. And when I pray in his name, I see God move. Amen. I remember walking past Sainsbury's. Remember the big, you know, the big Sainsbury's in town before that was built. I was walking past and one of the laborers was sitting, having his lunch outside of the Sainsbury's. And as I was walking past, I just got a sense that maybe he had pain in his knee. So I, You know how you get sometimes nudges from God about these things? And I just said to him, excuse me, weird question, but do you have pain in your leg? And he said, he just mouthed off and said, I've got lots of pain in my left leg. Um, Yes. And I said, can I pray for you? So he said, looked at me weirdly and said, sure. So me and a friend of mine, we prayed for his knee. We just prayed a simple prayer in the name of Jesus. And he stood up and swore at me and said, what have you done where's the pain gone, and stood up and started moving around. Now that's just one story. There are many like this. I've got the video of that, and I'll happily share that in the WhatsApp group, because God heals today in response to prayer, in response to faith, and he gives out the gift of healing to his church. I want to enter into a time of ministry now, because I don't just want to see people healed today. I want to see people hungry to operate in the gift of healing How about you? Are you hungry to see God use you in those areas? I'd love to see that. I'd love to see more people with healing testimonies. So why don't you stand with me right now? Firstly, I want to ask for you to just be brave. You don't have to tell anybody what it is that you want healing for. That's not our job to know. But just be honest. If there's something that you really need to call out on God for in terms of healing today, just pop your hand up. Pop your hand up if there's something that you just think, this is bitter, and I just really want to be free of this today. Pop your hand up right now. Okay. Praise God. Now, if you want to, because there's lots of you, and there's not enough people to pray where you're stood. I'm going to ask you to be brave and just come stand here all together, because we're going to pray all together. So if you've just popped your hand up, come on in a little huddle down here, and we're going to pray for all of you. Come on, squidge in. Now, you don't need to tell us um, what the issue is. But I do think we're going to see God touch people today. <laughs> so let's put our hands out right now. Just and wait, wait on God for just a moment. In a moment, I'm going to come around and just lay a hand on and just pray a simple prayer. But before we do that, let's just confess our belief in God as our healer. just want to say after me, Lord, I believe that you are my healer. And I believe that today you can heal me of and then mention whatever it is you want him to heal you of under your breath or in your head. And I'm coming to you now and I'm asking you Lord would you turn this bitterness into sweetness. Would you heal me would you set me free amen amen now as mike starts playing i'm going to come around just lay a hand on you and then there's a bit more ministry i want to do as well so let's just stay in this moment just wait on the lord as as we pray if you stood up the front just just pray and begin to receive his love and his touch in your